You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Those stories in a moment. But first, a father accused of killing his two young daughters made his first court appearance in Victoria today. 43-year-old Andrew Berry is charged with two counts of second-degree murder. Our Nitu Garcha was in court for his appearance today. Nitu, this was our first look at Berry. It was, Sophie, and the courtroom was filled with reporters as an emotionless Andrew Berry walked to the prisoner's dock. Wearing a grey hoodie and blue jeans, he appeared dazed and tired. His hair was disheveled. He had a wrap or a bandage of some kind on his right wrist, but I didn't notice any other injuries. He was arrested and charged shortly after being released from hospital, where he was being treated for self-inflicted wounds. After making a brief court appearance in Victoria, 43-year-old Andrew Barry has been ordered not to have any contact with the mother of his two young daughters. There's a growing memorial outside Barry's Oak Bay apartment where six-year-old Chloe Barry and her four-year-old sister Aubrey were found dead on Christmas Day. Their father is facing two counts of second-degree murder. His behavior was a bit strange. He wasn't responding to mom's emails. Um, there were some issues like that. He was doing some things unilaterally. Those could be taken as warning signs. Trudy Brown hasn't represented Barry or his former partner, Sarah Cotton, but as a family lawyer in Victoria for nearly 45 years, she decided to review the case. She says signs of Barry going downhill only came after the couple's divorce and custody battle. What I see in this case are, are parents who did the right thing, who went to mediation at the beginning. They both had divorce coaches. There was talk about a custody counselor. But the uncle of the murdered girl's mother told Global News the system has failed his family. It was quite evident to everybody, us and the courts, that the man was not in his right mind. He was having trouble. And still those young children were allowed to go there underscored. Children have the right to be protected and to have their views heard. And we believe that legislation and in BC can be changed to enhance and support better uh, this convention. Barry and his former wife are past BC Ferries employees. The company confirming she worked in communications, he in the finance department. They're supposed to come home for Christmas dinner. The loss has affected the entire community. More than 2,000 attended this vigil to support an already divided family that's been left shattered. All right, Need to. Today was just uh, Barry's first court appearance. Do we know when he'll be back in court? Well, Sophie, in court today, Barry was represented by duty counsel who suggested February 1st as the date of next appearance to give him enough time to contact and seek counsel. Until then, he'll remain in custody. Back to you. All right, thanks for that. Nitu Garcha in Victoria. Now we've got some breaking news involving a very close call for a Cloverdale family. And it's a warning to other drivers, especially with the risk of freezing rain returning to our area. The family was traveling westbound on Highway 1 on New Year's Eve between Number 3 Road and Whatcom Road when they see a chunk of ice fell from a highway sign and right through their windshield. As you can see, there was glass and ice everywhere. Two children were in the car at the time. Luckily, there were no serious injuries. We do have a crew on the way to talk to the family, and we'll bring you the response from the Ministry of Highways as soon as that becomes available. In the meantime, renewed calls tonight to address safety concerns on the Sea to Sky Highway. That comes after two people died and a number of others were seriously injured 
in an horrific head-on crash earlier this week. Ted Chernecki is near Squamish tonight with more. And Ted, there are three ideas that locals are pushing for. Explain why they feel it could help. Yeah, Chris, uh, they've been trying to reduce the speed in this highway forever, it seems, without success. If anything, it's probably gotten worse since they straightened the road for the Olympics. And then the efficacy of these uh, variable speed zones, which, which you see behind me here, that's still being debated. And people are always asking questions about why there aren't more uh, concrete barriers to separate traffic. But there is a fourth issue now that's starting to be asked, and that is the increasing number of commuters. Today, the police were out in force trying, as they might, to get people to slow down on the Sea to Sky Highway. Most of the motorists that we have pulled over today are extremely apologetic that uh, they have been going through at high rates of speed through this area here. Three, two... In the summer of 2016, the Ministry of Transportation introduced variable speed limits, where, in theory, the limit would be lowered as conditions deteriorated. My husband and I were driving in that insane winter storm, and the speed limit hadn't changed from 100 kilometers an hour, which would have been uh, incredibly treacherous to drive at that speed limit. On Tuesday night, two people died and seven others were injured when a van with seven workers returning southbound from Whistler collided head-on with a northbound pickup truck. Fourteen years earlier, seven died, again involving a vehicle full of workers returning from Whistler. For Squamish, reinstating public transit along the Sea the Sky Highway is an ongoing fight, and so far, a futile one. Forty percent of our population commutes uh, either north or south out of town to reach an economy right now. Having regional transportation is incredibly important. And then there's the issue of concrete barriers that only seem to get installed after someone dies. Like in Lions Bay, where shrubbery has been replaced after one of more than 100 collisions and a lawsuit arguing that those planted dividers were inherently dangerous. Tuesday's crash was in a stretch of highway where there is no center line barrier. But longtime drivers and emergency personnel say there can be a reason for that. On three lane, it's not that great. Does anything happen, like somebody breaks down and you can't get by them? Yes, vehicles do need to turn around, but do they need uh, hundreds, if not thousands of meters to do that? That's the question. Chris, Sophie? All right, thanks, Ted. Fire gutted a home in Coquitlam overnight. <laughs> 25 firefighters worked for almost three hours to control the flames. The three residents of this home on Grayson Avenue, a couple and their father, escaped without injury. Their dog also made it out. However, their two cats are still missing. Basically a bonfire on steroids. It was ferocious. It was intense. By the time I got out, most of the neighborhood was out of their homes. When these fires get into the attic spaces and they start compromising the roof structures and firefighters have to back out of the structure, it becomes a defensive. Investigators believe the fire began in the carport and at this point it's not considered suspicious. The victim of a homicide at a Burnaby apartment building has been identified. 47-year-old Jawada Heder Kadim of Burnaby was found with stab wounds in the lobby of an apartment in the 6500 block of Telford Avenue yesterday. RCMP were called after a report of a fight. Despite attempts to save Kadim, he died at the scene. Investigators say the man was known to police and believe this was not a random act of violence. We are speaking with persons of interest, and we're hoping that anyone who knew Mr. Haidar Kedim to contact uh, IHIT so we can follow up with them. Meantime, in Cloverdale, police confirming an early morning shooting there sent one man to hospital with serious injuries. 
It happened around 3.30 this morning at 64th Avenue on 176th Street. A bullet hole can be seen on the driver's side door. The suspect or suspects took off before police arrived, and there are no descriptions at this time. Anyone with information is asked to contact Surrey RCMP Crime Stoppers. Well, it's causing a double take in Richmond, a home so large that at first glance, you'd be forgiven for thinking that it's a condo complex. It's located on the agricultural land reserve, and while the city recently changed the rules to prevent homes like this going forward, Jill Bennett explains what else the province is doing to protect the ALR. This more than 20,000 square foot home has caught the eye of neighbors for months. Use the land for building somewhere else, not use the best farmland. But the problem for many is the home, huge by most standards, with space for an elevator and an indoor swimming pool, is being built on land that used to grow fruit and vegetables. In many countries, government actually helps uh, farmers. And here, instead of helping, we are allowing people to build the houses. Back in May, Richmond City Council passed a bylaw restricting new homes on agricultural land to slightly less than 11,000 square feet, a move many say didn't go far enough. The price of farmland has um, more than doubled uh, since May. The effect they were trying to do by limiting the house size hasn't worked. They're just still building them as big as they can. Under the current rules, there is nothing forcing owners of land in the agricultural land reserve to actively farm. To get the tax break, owners only need to make $2,500 a year from farming. On an estate farm, you could have an 11,000 square foot mansion, um, use it as a B&B, pay no tax, and have it as farm status just by having some rows of blueberries in the back, for example, that make $2,500 a year. Richmond Farm Watch would like to see a foreign buyer's ban on farmland, as well as penalties for not farming. Both ideas will be looked at by a new committee put together to modernize and strengthen the ALR. This is not a land bank for housing development. This is a land bank for food production, and that's the message we're going to give loud and clear. That may take some regulatory and legislative changes in order to make that uh, as strong as we can, and we're absolutely willing to go there. Popham says there could be new legislation to protect farmland against various threats, including housing, in place by next fall. Jill Bennett, Global News. And from that to this, this is the only standalone home in Vancouver listed right now for under a million dollars. It's located at 1053 Southeast Marine Drive, built in 1906. It has three bedrooms, two bathrooms, and is being offered at $938,000. Safe to say it will likely be bought by a developer. But first, the B.C. government is preparing to eventually raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. But recent developments have rekindled the debate about how high is too high. The immediate effect of a significant jump in Ontario and a new report from the Bank of Canada has the business sector warning the boost could do more harm than good. At Shogun Restaurant, the recipe to help with a high cost of living, serving staff, meals at work. They have to rent the houses, the rent increase, they have the money. So I prepare some food for them. But Lee worries moving too quickly to a $15 minimum wage will end up costing both him and his employees much more. At the moment, if the government increased the price like that, I have no choice. I'm so sad to fired my uh, worker. The Bank of Canada even cautioning the hike in minimum wage would lead to 60,000 jobs lost by 2019. I was really surprised the Bank of Canada came out so strong 
with a warning signal saying, careful now, because when you talk about minimum wage jobs, you're talking about jobs that, in theory, could be replaced by technology. Some saying those minimum wage employees will be forced to check out. We have burgers. Replaced by automation and self-serve stations being integrated in stores today. When you take the, the, uh, the wage rate and get them so high that now technology, you can afford to buy the technology, you'll buy the technology. It's a one-time cost. The B.C. Federation of Labour saying there's little reason to give in to fear. For a low-wage industry to suddenly automate because the wage goes to 14 or $15 an hour, I don't think that's realistic. Also not buying a recent move at an Ontario Tim Hortons franchise, which cut paid breaks and dental benefits after a minimum wage in that province jumped to $14 an hour. I just think it's a very... Um, reactionary, mean-spirited response. BC's Labour Minister waiting to hear back from the appointed Fair Wages Commission. Says most are not worried about if, but how and when. It is the certainty that they are looking for. It's the predictability and gradual increase that they are, they are hoping that the government will come, ba- come back with. At Shogun, it can make all the difference between the perks of a free meal and a pink slip. John Hua, Global News. The Transportation Safety Board is blaming the 2016 grounding of a B.C. tour boat on an overworked captain and poor planning. The Stellar Sea, operated by Jamie's Whaling Station, ran aground northeast of Tofino during a bear-watching excursion. The TSB says not enough planning was done to ensure the boat could safely operate in dangerous waters and says the vessel operator didn't see the rock because he was multitasking at the time. Luckily, no one was seriously injured. The seaplane that crashed in Australia, killing a pilot from North Vancouver and his five passengers, had been in a major crash before. The first one happened back in 1996. An engineer assessed the wrecked plane as repairable, and it was rebuilt to manufacturer specifications and cleared to fly again. Today, a recovery crew pulled the seaplane from the Hawkesbury River, north of Sydney, Australia, where it went down. The cause of the crash still hasn't been determined. Just days after recreational pot became legal in California, U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions is ending the lenient enforcement of federal marijuana laws. The change is creating confusion, and not just among states where legalized marijuana is now flourishing. Paul Johnson explains what you need to know before you cross the border. If you smoke pot or have a stake in Canada's booming pot business, you need to pay close attention to this man. Good people don't smoke marijuana. Today, U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions abruptly killed a years-long policy that saw federal prosecutors essentially turn a blind eye to recreational pot in the handful of states that have legalized it. I'm shocked by this. Len Saunders is a lawyer in Blaine, Washington, who's helped countless Canadians who've gotten into trouble at the border because of pot use. He expects to be even busier now. This is a step in the wrong direction. So far, the problem has been for Canadians who admit to being pot smokers. But what's going to happen later this year when Canada legalizes and the country has thousands of legitimate pot workers? So let's say you work in a marijuana business or even own one. If you travel to the United States and you're honest with the border guards about what you do for a living, you could face major consequences. Anyone associated with marijuana in the U.S., if they're a foreigner, especially Canadians, are going to run into major, major issues in the future. None of the eight states that have legalized are backing down from this standoff with the feds. 
Today in Washington State, Governor Jay Inslee said the move disrespects Washington voters who've chosen a different path. Though Ottawa's pushing ahead with top-down legalization, south of the border, it's the United States of confusion. Paul Johnson, Global News. The message, I think, is clear. Sexual harassment in the workplace and at Soul Pepper Theatre Company will not be tolerated anymore. Toronto's Soul Pepper Theatre founding director, Albert Schultz, the latest entertainment figure to be accused of sexual misconduct. Four women allege Schultz was a serial predator who harassed them over a 13-year period. One says she decided to come forward after the theatre announced it had severed ties with another artist over sexual harassment allegations. My time at Soul Pepper, I never once saw a policy on sexual harassment. Knowing the culture there, the hypocrisy of that statement was what motivated me to come forward so that this does not happen to one other young woman coming up into that company. Four other Soul Pepper actors have resigned in support of the women. Schultz is on a leave of absence pending an investigation but says he will vehemently defend himself. Well, one day after he threw the Donald Trump White House into its latest round of turmoil, Steve Bannon is backtracking just a bit. The former Trump campaign chairman and chief White House strategist is now saying he still supports Trump, even as the president's lawyers come after him. Tonight, President Trump publicly holding his fire amid a mounting feud with his former top aide, Steve Bannon. I don't know, he called me a great man last night, so, you know, he obviously changed his tune pretty quick. I don't talk to him. That's just a misnomer. Bannon playing cleanup on his radio show. The President of the United States is a great man. You know, I support him day in and day out. But behind the scenes, the president still fuming, according to several aides, after Bannon questioned the president's grasp of policy in the new book, Fire and Fury, and even accused Mr. Trump's son and son-in-law of treason for meeting with a Russian lawyer during the campaign. On Wednesday, the president excoriated Bannon, saying he'd lost his mind. Now the president's legal team is threatening to sue Bannon, the book's author, and the publisher, the White House lashing out. There are numerous mistakes, but I'm not going to waste my time or the country's time going page by page uh, talking about a book that's complete fantasy and just full of tabloid gossip. But tonight, new shockwaves after author Michael Wolff raised questions about the president's mental fitness in an article in The Hollywood Reporter, writing the president repeats himself. Everybody was painfully aware of the increasing pace of his repetitions. The White House defiant. It's disgraceful and laughable. Uh, if he was unfit, he probably wouldn't be sitting there and wouldn't have defeated uh, the most qualified group of of candidates the Republican Party has ever seen. And tonight, growing questions about whether Steve Bannon is losing his influence as a number of Republicans are siding with Mr. Trump. The White House asked if Bannon should be fired from conservative media outlet Breitbart News. Something they should look at and consider. In health matters tonight, B.C.'s health authorities say peak flu season is here. So far, it's not as bad as last year. But Linda Aylesworth pinpoints where health experts say there is reason to be worried. Traditionally, the last week of December is the beginning of peak flu season. So how are we doing so far? So in Vancouver, coastal, we are seeing uh, seasonal averages for influenza right now. And in the Fraser Health region? We're starting to see cases, so persons being sick with influenza in schools, in our facilities, and our resi residential care facilities as well. 
all around the province, this year's flu season seems to be shaping up to be pretty much like any other, with one exception. So right now we're seeing both a mixture of influenza A and influenza B. It is a little bit unusual to see a mixture. That's because the A strain of the virus usually dominates the early part of the season, and B tends to rear its ugly head later on. As far as symptoms are concerned, both strains are equally wretched and in some cases deadly. In the interior health region, four people have already died in long-term care facilities. The frail elderly are our number one concerns for contraction of influenza. Also at risk of complications, pregnant women, young children and those with chronic illnesses. For those of us who are healthy, we can help protect those people from becoming ill by making sure we don't get ill ourselves. The best way to do that is by getting immunized. And because the same bee strain hitting us now also struck the Southern Hemisphere last year, health officials know, or at least expect, the current vaccine to be quite effective against it. The fact that we're seeing a lot of influenza B right now may mean that we end up with a better overall vaccine effectiveness this year. Other tips, wash your hands frequently to reduce infection. And if you need medical attention, call your doctor. Don't drop by the emergency room unless absolutely necessary. During that period of very, very high activity, we try to remind people to, to be mindful of that. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. An innovative new program is helping children cope with fear and anxiety at an Edmonton hospital. Stollery Children's is the third Alberta hospital to take advantage of the affinity today's children have with technology. Global Suling Go has the story. There's no beating this for bedside manner. Medi's moves could make anyone smile, but he's much more than entertainment. What we're hoping to see is that using the Medi robot makes them have less distress and less pain overall. Breathe in through your nose. The Stollery Children's Hospital is testing how Medi can help in the emergency department when kids are having an IV inserted. The robot was programmed with child psychology techniques that could reduce suffering. So if we can distract them with the robot, engage the positive parts of their, of their brain, if you will, um, then they may actually feel less pain as well. Kingston Baker has broken his right arm three times since July. After crying through his first two IVs, his third experience was much better with Medi. I don't think there was a tear that day. No, no, no crying at all. The researchers say the robot has brought relief to families and to staff. You see clinical staff that are dancing to the music while doing IV as well. And it overall just makes it a very happy environment for everybody. It's very hard to feel grumpy when Mehdi is dancing. <laughs> and though sometimes the robot itself can seem distracted. Mehdi! Mehdi! There we go. Kingston feels it was a valuable member of his medical team. Yeah, they should keep using it with other kids because other kids should deserve to feel, to not feel hurt. You are a lot of fun to play with. And just ahead of our forecast, the latest on that winter storm battering the East Coast. We fill the bathtub with water. We've got some extra water jugs uh, full charging our devices right now while we're out. In the Maritimes, a major nor'easter brought the expected heavy snowfall and vicious winds, all but shutting down several communities. 
Visibility was near zero on many highways. Businesses and offices closed early to give people a chance to get home before the worst of it hit. And those who tried to escape altogether were disappointed. Thousands of flights in the Northeast have been delayed or canceled. And it is the American Northeast, the East Coast, that's getting the worst of it. That bomb cyclone predicted by meteorologists bringing historic snowfalls. Hurricane force winds, flooding, and widespread chaos. The massive blizzard slamming the East Coast. It's bad. It's bad. Turned dangerous and deadly. Outside Charlotte, North Carolina, two people were killed in this crash. And near Raleigh, a desperate rescue attempt when a 13-year-old boy fell through ice into this pond. I was just walking and the ice cracked and I fell in. Across the south, thousands without power due to strong wind gusts. In Virginia Beach, Are you guys coming from no power? residents turned to shelters for safety. In Connecticut, it was near whiteout conditions. It's freezing. If you don't belong to be out here, you shouldn't be out here. The snow was too much for some structures to hold. There it goes. Watch as the roof of this gas station collapses in New Jersey. A state of emergency declared in the state as well as in New York. From my point of view, nothing is worth uh, endangering human life. On Long Island, homes burned on Oak Island. What's worse, fire crews were delayed getting there by boat because of heavy ice conditions on the water. For others, it was a day of digging out. 69-year-old Ann got help from friends clearing a half foot of snow from her driveway. But she's also on another mission. What are you looking for? I'm looking for my newspaper. He may not have even delivered. They would have delivered, you think? <laughs> That's old school, too, oh, going wow. out and collecting the newspaper. Uh, all right, let's see what's in the forecast now around here with Yvonne Shell in for Christy tonight. Yes, we're going to touch on really quickly, though, if you have traveling plans, especially to Atlantic Canada, this storm is going to continue to lash across the eastern seaboard, and many areas into the uh, eastern sections of the country will see uh, blizzard warnings, storm warnings, wind warnings. Some gusts could be over 140 kilometers per hour, and we could see snowfall of up to 40 centimeters. This will take us in towards our Friday. So if you do have traveling plans, make sure you check your flight before you leave. Here's what we're seeing back at home, though. Temperatures today up to 5 degrees. Average for this time of the year sits at 6. A record on this day, 13 degrees, was set back in 2003. We have seen some rain already starting to push in light across the island. It'll pick up and intensify for us for the overnight and leading in towards our Friday morning. So something to keep in mind for our commute. We do have some active weather, though, for the northern half of the province, inland sections. We have a freezing rain warning if you're heading along Highway 16 from Terrace to Smith. Also looking at the risk of freezing rain, taking us in towards our Friday along the Sea to Sky and the Fraser Canyon also included within that. That'll likely taper off as it changes over to rain by the morning hours for tomorrow. Futurecast, the bulk of the moisture across the south coast will fall overnight and for morning hours. It'll taper off. We're still looking at a chance of showers on and off throughout much of the day on Friday. And it is going to remain unsettled for our Saturday, Sunday with a chance of showers and some rainfall for both days out of our weekend. So coastal sections will stay as rain. Inland, that's where we're looking at the risk of freezing rain. Most areas for the northeastern 
western corners of the province near Fort Nelson will still see a chance for some flurries or light snowfall. Quinnell will be looking at the risk of freezing rain and much of the southern interior will be looking at flurries for tomorrow and then snow by the evening and heavy at times and this will take us in towards our Saturday. So if you are traveling along the mountain passes, some of the heavier snowfall will be for tomorrow evening. Sea to Sky Highway for Whistler, risk of freezing rain overnight for a Friday morning. Similar if you're traveling near Merritt, areas near Hope will change over to rain with temperatures at 4 degrees and much of the south coast. So we'll see a heavier round of rain or a wave of moisture pushing in for the morning hours and then tapering off to a chance of showers for the afternoon. Victoria tomorrow closer to 7 degrees and areas near Tofino climbing up to 9 into the valley for Abbotsford with a high of 6 degrees. So across Metro Vancouver, we'll see that rainfall and heavy at times with up to 15 millimeters. Saturday, Sunday, we are looking at a chance of showers. It's going to be soggy over the next little while, so keep your umbrella handy. We'll look at the rainfall even continuing for a Monday, Tuesday. A very happy birthday this evening to Rosa Zembrum from Vancouver celebrating 100. And tonight's weather window is from Dustin Jenkins, a great shot of the ice storm that we've seen in the past week from Abbotsford. Guys? Keep them coming. All kinds of great shots from the <laughs> Fraser <laughs> Valley. Oh, yeah. were you ready to sprint across? I was ready to sprint across and run around to sit beside you guys. <laughs> so eager. All right. Thanks, Yvonne. All right. You can do that now. Thanks, Yvonne. <laughs> it's not often a break-in at a bar makes the news, but this robbery in Copenhagen was no ordinary heist. The thief uses a flashlight to scan the shelves, suddenly zooms in on what he's looking for, grabs it, and runs. Turns out it's a bottle of vodka valued at 1.6 million dollars Canadian. The bottle is made of six pounds of gold and the equivalent amount of silver with a diamond encrusted cap. Nothing else was stolen. Police suspect the thief actually had a key to get in. Hmm. Are you actually breaking and entering if you have a key then? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He certainly knew what he was going for, didn't he? Target. No yeah. kidding. Squire's here now. New Year's drink, that's all. What's that? And then, and then after you drink it, you can melt it down and buy a lot more. That's true. Squire's back. Has Jim Benning done a good job? Discuss. Well, I could spin here for a while because there's been mistakes he's made. I thought, oh, boy, that was not a good move. And then there's other things like the Brock Besser mm-hmm. draft. I mean, he was drafted 23rd overall. It wasn't like he was a high draft pick. A lot of teams passed on him when the Canucks went for him. That was a great pick. Elias Pettersson looks like a great pick. But as I said, it's kind of a... This way with Jim Betty. But he is a good scout. He has a scout's mind, and I like that. Okay, so that is the question. And at the moment, there is really no answer. Will the Vancouver Canucks give Jim Benning a new contract? We just mentioned he has made mistakes here, but no GM is perfect, of course. And he has also made some good decisions when you look at the Canucks' future. Clearly, drafting Brock Besser was, so far, his master stroke. And it appears Elias Pettersson is a solid choice as well. But just the same. When you ask Jim's boss, Trevor Linden, about Benning's contract situation, you get a sense that Benning's future has not been decided yet. I'm not going to really get too into that at this point. I think it doesn't serve anyone, uh, you know, any purpose. Um, I think we're focused on having a good second half here. I know that uh, Jim's focused on that. Uh, I think he came into a, we came into a challenging situation, and I think we're trending in the right direction. Um, I like the job that Jim's done, and, and but beyond that, I think we're focused on uh, you know the next couple months into deadline, and then uh, you know finishing and having a good season. Metal.
Well, if the Canucks miss the playoffs and get lucky in the draft lottery, maybe they'll pick this guy, Rasmus Dahlin, considered the number one prospect in the world right now as far as players not with NHL contracts. He is a defenseman for Sweden. There is Elias Pettersson again. Another one of these great wrist shot goals we've seen a number of times from him at this World Junior Tournament. This is the Swedes in the U.S. in a semifinal game earlier today. Leas Anderson, who was drafted a couple of picks after Pedersen last June, is going to get this one. The Swedes also had a couple of shorthanded goals on the same penalty, and they are going to the final. Who will they play? Well, it's likely they will play us. I don't mean the three of us sitting on this desk, because if they did play us, I like their chances at gold. They'll play the guys in the red, even though I know you're good. I know you're good, but I don't know if you're this good. I mean, you know. Plus, I think you got to be under 20 to be in that tournament. And, you know, not to give it away, but I don't think you're under 20. Just missed it. Okay, so the Czechs have the 1-0 lead. Uh, Philip Zadina with that goal. And then it's Canadian goal scoring en masse. Sam Steele. That's a power play goal. Drake Batherson tips in this shot from Kale McCarr. That made it 2-1. to one. Batherson would get actually two more goals. We won't show you those, but we'll show you another uh, Canadian goal here by Max Comtois. This would make it 4-1. to one. It looks like a done deal here. And it'll be tomorrow, Canada and Sweden in the gold medal game unless something crazy happens. Speaking of something crazy happening, so Joe Thornton's fighting Nazem Kadri, and Kadri has a hold of his beard. And part of that beard comes off. You can see it in the ice right. He drops it. There it is. That's a big chunk. Holy. That's like the kind of hair clump you see underneath the couch if you have a cat or something. Yikes. <laughs> okay, so oh, anyway, uh, <laughs> we aren't that far, I'm that sure it hurts. reaction shot. We aren't that far away from the Vancouver Whitecaps training camp. It actually is only two and a half weeks away. As always, the off-season featured the annual shopping trip to South America for a goal scorer and the picking up of a few other veterans to improve in a season that was good for the most part, but of course had a rather bad ending. Rodriguez first to react, it's back post, and it's over! Despite one of their best regular seasons ever, the Whitecaps looked woefully overmatched in their playoff loss to Seattle. So job one in the offseason has been to up the talent level up front, and they have done that, adding veteran Kai Kamara, who has 98 career MLS goals, and also getting 23-year-old Venezuelan striker Anthony Blondell, who they feel can also be productive in North America. Both of them have a big size, both of them have a nice touch, we're excited about them, but we're, we're also uh, understanding that uh, when they come in, then that'll be when they need to, to do the business, but uh, we're optimistic that they can. The Caps are not counting on having Freddie Montero back. He led the team with 13 goals last year, but was on loan from a Chinese club. He's still under contract in China, and his status is uncertain, but it feels like the Caps are moving on without him. This is Jordy Rayner picking it up just outside the back. Peruvian Jordi Reyna will be back. He was part of an investigation in the death of a 16-year-old girl in Peru a few months ago, but he has been cleared after it was ruled the girl died of natural causes. The Whitecaps say Reyna will be back in Vancouver later this month, ready to resume his career. He's cleared and he can come back and uh, he can get on with his life. The Caps will not bring back Jordan Harvey. The veteran defender is the all-time leader in matches played with 199. 
Canadian national teamer Daniil Henry, nine years younger than Harvey, is one of the new defenders brought in to shore up the back line. The Caps still want to add a playmaking midfielder and are optimistic they've upgraded enough to contend with the best in the West. I do think that what we've added um, will make us stronger and if we can add you know, certainly one more impactful midfielder, potentially two, uh, then you know, I, I think that we'll feel good about our chances at the start of the season. Training camp begins January 22nd. Very delayed global sports. Okay, two of the biggest names in tennis are not going to be at the Australian Open, which starts later this month. Serena Williams, who is a new mother, said she's not quite ready for the uh, Grand Slam action just yet, so she's not going to be there. Andy Murray is pulled out because of a hip injury, but Milos Ronic is going to Australia 100% healthy, he says. There you go. Here is a look at today's snow report. Still a temperature inversion over most of BC, meaning a milder flow for the mountains the last while. Whistler Blackcomb, a good-looking base at 179 centimeters. Grouse 225, Cypress 237, Sasquatch 231. Revelstoke, a base of 168 centimeters. Manning Park 120, and Powder King checking in with 151. In the southern interior, Big White's base 166, Silver Star 145, Sun Peaks 119, and Apex 141 centimeters. Coming up on ET Canada, Seth Myers gets you prepped for Sunday's Golden Globes. Plus, we're on the set of Chicago Fire for the hot romance rumors. That's coming up at seven right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. Thank you very much, Paul. Well, we all know life is stressful these days, but some new research out of UBC says there might be an easy fix. The study says you can lower your stress levels with nothing more than the scent of your romantic partner. <laughs> Jennifer Palma <laughs> reports. It's always good to smell nice. Cecilia Waugh and Nathan's son have been together for a year and a half. <laughs> His scent is something she takes with her when she leaves. We're actually in a long-distance relationship, and I'm leaving soon, so when I do leave, I try to, like, take something of his, so it's like having him there. Turns out she's onto something. The scent of a loved one can help you take away the stress of daily life. That, according to a UBC study, Marlies Hofer is one of the researchers. We gave everybody one that was a little bit too tight for them. 96 heterosexual couples took part. Men were given a clean t-shirt to wear for 24 hours and told to not use deodorant, perfume products, smoke, or eat certain foods that could affect their scent. The women were then put into stressful situations and asked to sniff either an unworn shirt, their partner's shirt, or strangers. These women did our own quick test. Uh, it smells like laundry to me. Like uh, linen. Yeah. It smells like clean. Yeah. The main finding was that people perceive less stress um, when exposed to their partner's scent. And this is specifically as they're anticipating a stressful situation and as they're recovering from a stressful situation. And another finding is that cortisol levels were decreased in women who were correct in identifying their partner's scent. Meanwhile, women who had smelled a stranger scent had higher cortisol levels. So there was like a fight or flight activation that was caused by being exposed to a strange scent. And even when you walk into your own home and uh, you smell that scent when you come back from a long time just after break, you know that you feel at home, so I feel like it's the same with the partner. Women are considered to have a better sense of smell than men. But for Nathan, he finds comfort in Cecilia when she's not there. 